Ready, four, three, two, one. Got it on? Okay. Praise the Lord. Welcome back to our round table, or square table, round table. Our session is behind Pastor Bruce Parker, and I'm here with Jamaica, Jamaica Holmes, and my pastor, Robert Engelman, is going to join us. And we're going to continue our study on family. Overall, our session is about these sessions are about family. And our first session we talked about the moral concept of the world and how the moral values are in affecting the family and where families can affect person based upon how their morals have declined over the years. You know, I was talking about when I was growing up, uh, people spoke on the church that you know, they were they were influenced on their parents Woman came in and sit down and then sit 
know, there's certain moral aspects that are naturally good. And we talked about how that your morals come from God placing a place in the spirit of God. So we all have this moral compass on what to do right and what not to do wrong. Because you have this conscience, and the conscience always a lot, always warn you when you're not doing something right. Or you can ignore your conscience. Your conscience will get quiet. It doesn't go away, but it's not as loud as it was in the beginning. So far as if you uh, got into an uh, argument with your parents and you said something uh, that was wrong, you would feel bad about it. And now people just say things and don't, don't show no conscience or no moral conscience about they did something wrong. But tonight, uh, our session on tonight is about identity. And um, this part, this part of um, the overall founding session, the Lord has led me to uh, talk about identity because we see, we see so many people do not realize their true identity. And what the world wants to do, the world wants to place you in a certain category and say, that's you. And if you allow that to happen, your emotions and your feelings will dictate your desire. So if you know if you're like in a, in a social setting and when uh, a child is rejected in the social setting and he's been alone, he's by himself, and nobody never asking him, and then uh, they'll say he's an outcast. And if they keep talking about making those statements, he's an outcast, he's a loner, he don't want to be around nobody, then they'll take him on that mindset. Then you know sometimes you see them sit by themselves, they won't interact with nobody. So they take on that identity because it was spoken to them. They were never felt they could draw into the conversation or draw, draw into the group. And it happens a lot. And we see a, a, a lot of young people take on the identity of others. You know, the kids wear the pants of other race, you know, and uh, they you know they, that's a, a trait that comes from the prison system. And then kids today they take identity on uh, parents who go their ways and they feel that that's acceptable. But uh, your true identity is who God made you to be. And God puts the true identity into every individual. And uh, can you read it if you don't mind? You want to read it? Listen closely. What is your real identity? What is an identity? Is your identity something you are born with? Is it changeable or never able to change? Ever since Adam made his choice to disobey God in the Garden of Eden, he and all his descendants are identified with sin. This declaration of independence explains the rebellious nature we each inherited. Because we were never born into the family of Adam, we, I'm sorry, I lost my spot. We all possess the natural bent to live self-centered lives. Yet with a heart of love, the Heavenly Father has persistently sought to draw each person with his offer of adoption. He desires to adopt us into his family and receive a new nature, the same moral nature of his son. When you become a true Christian by receiving Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you also receive a new identity. 
a child of God, your old sin nature has been exchanged for a glorious new identity in Christ. In scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All the old the old has gone and the new has come. And uh, that new nature is your inner nature, your inner moral character, your inner nature that God did given to you through some Christ. And uh, the, the outlines also talk about that independence that uh, we got from Adam. Adam sinned, we all felt this independence mindset. And that's where the problem lies because uh, we don't identify with ourselves with God because of Adam's sin, we all fell into the sin nature and the enemy took that opportunity to call us into our own independent mindset and not to have the mindset of God. That's why Christ came and died that we would be adopted back into the family of God to take on the true nature of God. And this is the, um, the awesome part about that, that a lot of Christians uh, may not realize that when you take, when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in and, and leads you. And it's his leading that fulfills you with information to so you can recognize who you are in Christ. But it comes through studying the Word. With getting born again and don't have a word study, you will still be confused of who you are. Because the Holy Spirit reveals truth through the Word inside you. Praise God. If someone were to ask, who are you? What would you say? Many of us describe ourselves by what we do, such as I'm a school teacher or I'm an accountant. Others may have spent years studying genealogy charts, tracing their roots to determine who they are through family lineage. But name tags will not be sufficient when a life or death situation forces you to look at the core of your being and find out who you really are in relation to the one who created you. And that's interesting because when you ask a person say, who are you? They will always say what they do. You know, I'm a school teacher, I'm a, I'm a postman, I work at the end. They'll tell you what they do. But to recognize who they are on the inside is, that is revealing from God. Let me read this scripture from Matthew the chapter 16, uh, 13 through 19. And this is um, uh, Jesus asking the disciples. He said uh, in Matthew 16, verse 13, he said, When Jesus came to, into the, the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, that I am, that the Son of Man am? And they said, Some say that I are John the Baptist. Some Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. See, they're, they're saying who he is based on what they see him do as a prophet. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thy art, thy art the Christ. The word was verse 15, Jesus said, and said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? So he asked the disciples, Whom do you say that I am? Because you've been around. He's been around for three years. And um, and and uh, and 
of 16 says, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thy art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto, unto him, Blessed art thou, thy Simon or Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. See, here's God revealing to revealing to his disciples who Jesus is on the inside. And first Bible says, I offer Christ the Son of the living God. And he says, Flesh and blood, no man told you. This is what on the inside. And that's how God reveals who we are on our true identity on the inside. Praise God. And Psalms uh, 139, 13 says, For you for you created my innermost being. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Praise God. And A says, What is your identity? The identity of a person is based on the distinguishing character characteristics of that person. Yes. Your identity involves both your inner character and your outer conduct, which distinguishes you from everyone else. The word identity comes from the Latin word item, which means same. Your visible conduct should consistently reflect your inner character. This forms your identity. So, who I say I am, I should act like that. My character represents who I feel about, who I say I am on the inside. If I'm, if I'm going to be Pastor Bruce, I have to walk and act like Pastor Bruce. I, and that's, that's who I am on the inside, that's who I am on the outside. That's one of my titles as Pastor Bruce. I, I'm also a father, and, I, and I'm also a husband. So I walk in those those all those titles, but also they reflect my inner character as well. Praise God. Um, Proverbs 27, 19 says, As water reflects the face, so a man's heart reflects the man. Praise God. Your heart so reflects your outer character. Praise mm -hmm. God. What is the difference between your inner identity and your outer identity? <laughs> the visible you, how you are known by others, your personality, your mads, pretenses, outer presence, your actions. Okay. You said this is your favorite part? Why do you say that? Because I guess, I guess it's what I've been dealing with. And it's it's easy for someone to tell me who I am, and and I find myself asking myself, well, how do I behave, or how do I act for someone to make certain conclusions about me? So it, it's kind of personal. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. But see, it also says, let me see, second your personality. Well, here is basically personality.
with uh, Miss Jean Cole, and here you come. You know, your last name is Holmes, right? So on the home side of the family, uh, who do you look like your mother and your father? My mother, because I am adopted. Oh, <laughs> okay. So, okay. my mother. So, but, but you still look like somebody from your mother and father. Yeah. Yes. This, um, I'm sorry. Can I read this uh, scripture that follows those statements? And it comes from Proverbs 20:11, and it says, "Even a child is known by his actions, by whether his conduct is pure and right." And that goes back to something you said. Now it depends on how that person is brought up. Their conduct and their actions may reflect one thing. However, those are not the godly characteristics that God wants for them, but his environment, their environment has dictated the conduct and the characteristics that we see, that outer, that outer shell that we see. But that's not who he is on the inside because that part hasn't been able to develop because of the environment that they're in. So the environment is really, really important. How you develop those strengths or weaknesses of your character, you know, because you know everybody wants to say that that's you based on what they see you do wrong or what they like about you. You know, they might say, well, I, you, know, you might have one friend say you're this way, and the other friend say, no, I don't, I don't see that. Now. You know, but they always see those characteristics of the personality, but your personality. Has strength and weaknesses. And like Pastor Ross said, in a, in a negative environment, only the bad is going to be developed. You know? And um, I've, I've seen families and I've counseled families where, in a negative environment, everybody shows this negative side. You know? But if you take your personality profile, you'll show them they got some good stuff inside of them. And they'll, they'll and most of the time, they will say, Yeah, so I thought about that. I, you know, yeah, that is me, you know, but then most people only see the negative. Because the environment plays a lot of how you think. Check this out. In your unseen world, it's always in chaos. In your seen world, it's going to be simple. If you always say, walk in darkness, how you feel about it, you're feeling bad, angry, upset, you're always going to judge things based on how you feel about it. And then when you just think based on how you feel about it, you come up with the 
wrong conclusion. That's why some people don't want to be around certain people because they always have a cynical or an evil report. And, and the enemy wants to give you this critical spirit when you judge everything on the negative side. It's called critical spirit. You say, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. What's up with you? You know, they they sharp and nasty. And they could be having a bad day. But if that person is always like that, then there's something in their characteristic, in their character development, uh, outward thinking development. So here it says, what is the difference between your inner identity and your outer identity? Mm -hmm. So when we talk about that inner identity, we talk about that identity that we don't let everybody see. We talk about that thing that you only share with some people, and that outer identity you give to the world who maybe you're not certain about it, or you feel you just getting to know so they can't know the full you. Let, let, let's, let's, let's put it to this point. When we says here, how you are known by God. That's the real me. Come on. Your basic nature, your character, your value system. And here's the value system is so important because we talked in the last session about how the enemy will destroy your morals and flip you around with, with negative morals. Then those negative morals will reflect the bad character. And God will so, so let me ask you this question. How do we get people to tap into the real you? How do we help them? How do we help them tap into the real you instead of the visible you? The you that people see you on, on Instagram, TikTok, and, and all those things that that everybody else wants you to be, 
but that's not really who you are. But you want to be likable, you want to be friendly, you want to be a part of the now, the in crowd, so they say, and you feel the real you wouldn't be as acceptable as the visible you. I want to know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so serious. I'm so sorry. I mean, I'm going to say I was in front of this. I was taking selfies and chance and I was like, come on, what have we been learning? Because <laughs> I knew I was filters and stuff trying to make myself look, you know, and people ask me, why don't you just, you know, take a picture of how you really look? So I, I would like to know the answer. Okay. This is part, this is the, this is the area that the enemy loves up. He loves to dive into it. Because when the real you has never been developed or exposed to your, your environment, it's a struggle. And you have to want to change who people say you are and allow your, your real you to, to be developed. And it takes time. It takes counsel. It takes ministry. It takes prayer. It takes hope. It takes no change happens without death. Every change that ever happens, a death has to happen first for the new to occur. When the seasons change, the trees die. And the, tree, the, leaf, the leaves die, but then a, a new leaf comes up. Every, every change has to be death. If the old you don't die, the, the pretend you don't die, the new you will never develop. And, it's, and you have to you have to be consistently focused on allowing the real you to develop. Sister, there is nothing wrong with you. You are beautiful, wonderfully created by God. The real you is who you see you are now. You have to filter anything. Because the, the, when you feel good on the inside, you reflect on the outside. But when you don't know who you are on the inside, you want to, you know, people want to reflect who you think people will accept. Everybody goes through this. It's a, it's, a, it's a learning process. When I was growing up, I thought I was ugly, too dark to hang out, you know. And so what I did was, I would make sure that I was sharp as brother in the world. I would buy finest clothes. You know, and if somebody said, hey, brother, you look nice now, it would pop my head. And then I, after I got a certain age, I realized, you know, I got to stop and focus on who God says. I got comfortable with my complexion, my, my height, my everything, you know, and, and uh, I, I, uh, I think I'm smooth. I enjoy you. Because, uh, I, you know, you have, to, you have to speak that to yourself. I'm more than a kind of Christ Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm here for one of you many. God loves you. I love you. And that's a big thing because that's what the job of the enemy is, to steal, kill, and destroy. And the easiest way you can steal, kill, and destroy is destroy our character, destroy our identity. You want to kill, steal, and then destroy. What are you going to kill your vision of who you are, steal your identity, and then destroy you so you destroy someone else? Or you just kill you first, just do the death. Because his, his goal is not just to destroy you. He wants to destroy you, you, any one of God's
God's children because he wants what we got. And the thing is, we don't value what we already have, but he knows the value. And that's one of the biggest issues that we have. We have to know the true value of who we are. And that's what we're here talking about, the identity. Do you know who you really are? Okay, so those, those are lonely nights and you struggle with your identity. Just trust God. Pray. Get, into, get, get a word study going on. The most powerful thing you can do is get a, a Bible word study going on. If there's a lesson that uh, on your heart like love, and you want to get a book, a commentary on love, a book on love, that coincides with Bible, read that. Because the more the Word you get inside you, the more the Holy Spirit will reveal the truth. He sees it. He'll take what you read today, and he'll regurgitate that back next year and give you a new revelation on it. So he always reveals the, the truth of God in you all the time. But just to sit around and just follow the, uh, the way of the, the way the world seems to go on and try to uh, self-medicate yourself and other things, only it only happens, it only sustains you on growth. It's a bad deal. But it never gets down to the root of the problem. Here it says in um, Proverbs 21 and 2, all a man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. Praise God. An identity crisis is a period of difficult transition, such as adolescence or midlife, when the visible when the visible you severely conflicts with the real you, causing pain, distress, and a desire for change. Yeah. See, so there, there's a clash there. It's a, you know, they call it an identity crisis. There's a clash there. The real you and the, and the who you think you are are clashing. You know. And then it, and it always going to bring pain and distress, you know. And then you don't, you don't want change, but you have to have an ongoing system that will bring about the change of, of the heart. You know, it, you say that because it's funny because there was a young lady who was real famous on TikTok, and um, they, they had a picture of her, a video of her celebrating the family and everything, and she's happy, everything. And then, not later on that day, she committed suicide. Mm -hmm. So that outward appearance that was visible to the world didn't reflect the real her, the pain that she was going through. And so many of us keep that on the inside and don't allow the world to see who we really are. And the enemy try to shame us of our hurt. He shames up of our hurt, our pain, our insecurities, so we don't allow those things to come to the forefront so we can deal with them yes. and allow them to be in the back burner of our lives instead of being very deep where they can come back again and continue to just eat at us. You know, before we started the session, this week and I was talking, and I was talking about this scripture. That's a promise that God gave all mankind. Three, score, and ten. And the score is 20 years. So you get three of those. And you get, you get three.
underscore and 10. Three, three twenties and a 10. That's 70 years of that promise. They said, if you do well, you get more. You know, and what the enemy wants to do, the enemy wants to destroy you or confuse you or wound you or mess you up in your first score. And if you mess you up in your first 20, then you got another 20 to, to try to get it together. And we were talking about most of the time, you know, he went to college, you know, he went to college and he finished college at 23, 24 years old. He come out of college, he got a career going on. Now, here you are on your way to college, I mean, on your way to a, a career, a job. But if you had not done those things, you got messed up in your first 20, and then you're going to scramble around trying to get a, a, a secure job to take care of your financial needs. But what about your emotional, your emotional and mental capacity? And this goes back. This goes back to what we talked about last, the week before last, when we talked about the first foundation that God created. So that's why that first twenty is so important. That family structure, because that's where the core values come in. At. That's where it teaches you your identity, who you are. It begins to create that character building. It, it, it don't make all of you because you still have much more to go, but it creates that foundation. It gives you that, it allows that moral, uh, uh, moral compass to allow you to make right, righteous judgments when that right down that first 20, that foundation is built. And so often we see now, that's why you see so many young people out of control because that first foundation was never established in righteousness. And it doesn't have to be all dotted on the church, like for just a moral like standard. Yes, you know, and then see the Holy Spirit has something to work with. Uh, a lot. I mean, He's always He's always beckoning because my favorite scripture, Titus two eleven, for the grace of God to bring salvation and prepare for all men. So He's always trying to get you to come, trying to get you to come. But it's much harder for you to hear it now if the foundation has been destroyed first. And what foundation do you think he destroyed first? The love foundation. He destroyed the love. If I can destroy the love in the beginning, for because your first experience of love is through your parents. So if you don't get that from your parents, you're going to find it somewhere, but that's not going to be love. Or you're going to recognize the wrong love. There you go. And, and this is what we're facing right now in society. There's so much lost love, and that's why they can't even identify the love of God. That's why there's an identity crisis so, so rapid through the land. It says, who am I? What do I believe in? What value should I live by? What do I want to do with my life? These are powerful questions when you answer. Things that you don't know who you are, and you're taught pretending to be something that you don't want to be. These are important questions that every person, every human goes through. And when they don't get the right answer, or the right encouragement, or the right counseling, or the right ministering to, people go alone. Remember, we talked earlier about when someone has been alone all their lives, hmm. when they have never had a companion and one one, they never had a social group and desire to be in a social group. When they've been at home alone all the time, a lot of people don't know and realize how deep and dark loneliness is. When a person
person, they begin to talk to themselves, they begin, begin to get cynical, they begin to get judgmental, they begin to get critical, only because there's no confrontation on how to handle that, those questions. And that's why somebody challenging those questions. That's why God said in the beginning, it's not good for man to be alone. You know, so he never desired for us to be alone. However, the thing is, we're, the world is giving us a different type of companionship than what God is. God wants us to have. And, and, and that's where the struggle is. We find him chasing after drugs. We find him chasing after the wrong man, the wrong woman. You find him chasing games, being involved in things. And, and how, not knowing how to deal with confrontation and different things like that. And it's so crazy. I listened to the radio coming in. It was just talking about how much murders is happening here in the States. And, and, and someone was saying like, oh my God. And, and one of them was saying, I don't even want to have kids right now because it's so bad. You know, the way the world is. And one person said, if you go back into the early 80s, there was more murders in some states than ever before. They said it's a hundred and something right now, or two hundred and something right now, where during that time it was over four hundred and something murders during that time. And the eighties was a big drug time, you know, so it was it was rampant. And then however things did shift around. You know, so where we're at doesn't mean that that's going to be the end. It's still up to us to begin to make some changes, you know, and that's why it's so important for us having these conversations and us speaking to, to people who we are connected to, even if they don't receive it right then, there's an opportunity that they heard the word that they may begin to change. You know, one, one of the uh, hardest, one of the hardest things I struggle with when I'm counseling someone who's going to be described someone and they uh, end up with another abuser. Mm. They come out of one of these relationships, abusive relationships, and they pick another person. And the reason they, they can't figure out why I pick this same type of person because they don't recognize the sign of abuse. You know, when a, when a person doesn't respect you to a fault, when they lower their standard is so low that they can call you anything or treat you any kind of way. Eventually, those things are going to hurt you. But they're going to scar you. Because your, your emotions are so, your feelings are so delicate that when you get wounded and hurt, that after a while, you get comfortable being hurt. I know it doesn't sound right, but it's so true. And that's where it goes to that third, that third question. What values should I live by? You know, if you don't have a set of values that you're willing to stand by and stand for, you will allow anything to come in. We heard a word earlier today when you talked about protect your heart. It was the scripture. God was saying protect your heart. Be guarded. So if, if you don't have that, that, that shield, around you, you allow different things to come in and, and, and penetrate those areas that God wants to protect. 
He wants us to protect those areas and, 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 and too often we find ourselves being wounded by the people we love. By the people we love. And you know, it's, it's, it's like you talk about being loved. Sometimes they don't even know they're doing it. They love you, they love you, they they're hurting you by the things they say. Because they're hurting too. They're hurting too. I heard one person say that, um, uh, one person been along for so long, said, but God, God, you have no love for you. Already for you. Because you're like me. I don't believe that. Hmm. I, I don't believe that. I believe that if you protect your heart, Just man, it's man and woman, you know. And so, so we go back to that first twenty years. If if if, if the moral compass hasn't been set, your judgment and the way you see things will be off whack. You you'll be start making choices that are out of the out of the characteristic of what God has called you to be. And it's easy to allow somebody to your in your world. Because you have your moral values on love. So you accept a low value person into your life. That's right. And, and, and that's easy for them to connect because evil will follow evil. That's right. And the second part says, but a man or woman of understanding keeps a straight course. Keeps a straight course. And won't allow any negativity or any low value into your world. Like like my wife, she has high moral values. And you know, I come from Hip hop, bebop, and that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, that, that was the Cadillac girl coming from. And I didn't like it, but that's my environment. Yes. But when I got out, I got up, I got up to get away from it. But I still have some of those characteristics in me. But I had to change that. You know, because I, my wife wasn't going to accept that. And, that. and that made me a better person in her sight and everybody else's sight around. Because right now, I got uh, grandkids that call me Papa. You know, that because of I changed the way I, I carried myself, my, my, my grandkids wouldn't call me Papa. They probably wouldn't, wouldn't even respect them, Papa. You know, I'm not cussing and angry. Yes, definitely. But it does reflect uh, your moral values. Let me get the next one. An identity crisis. An identity crisis is a period of severe dissolution. 
when your identity is based on a role or relationship that has been changed or removed, the loss of a job, identity was in your career, a role, a loss of a spouse due to death or divorce, identity was in your marriage, a partner, a relationship, the emptiness, identity was in being a parent or a role, a move from a secure environment, identity was in your friends, family, and relationship. The onset of disability, identity was your inability to perform a role. The loss of an intimate friendship, identity was in a cherished companionship, a relationship. A financial loss, identity was in the social status or role. Wow. Okay, Angel 613 says, do I have any power to help myself now that success has been given? Wow. All of these things that you read are subject to change at any time in your life. All of them. So we cannot allow that my identity is as my job. That's not my true identity. My true identity cannot be my, my role as a parent. That's a that's an ultimate role. You know. Or, or financial or friendship. When you allow those things, all the things can change in any season. And I'm going to tell you about every change there has to be an identity. Change. If I want to change my identity from my role of being a parent with an emptiness, I can't sit home and pretend that they're still home. I can be the way I can find out what I need to do next. So, so, so basically, it's saying that. We can't base our life over these situations, these different situations, because they would change. Your, your spouse would change, your children would grow old and move on, your, your relationship with friends and, and family members will change. So if we base our life and centers around them, we can lose, we can lose ourselves. Yes. You lose yourself, you can lost in the future, you have no way to go. Um, so I guess my question would be, you, you were talking about environments, and as, as I was reading it earlier, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm not going through an identity crisis. And I'll be honest, um, probably a lot of these things I'm going through right now. And I literally was on the phone with someone, and the littlest thing happened. The call dropped, and that was like the cherry on top. And I had a complete meltdown. When I think it was thunderstorms, the rain started falling, and I'm just sitting there crying. And literally, I'm like, who am I? Like, what do I want to do? What am I supposed to do with my life? I give up. I don't I don't want to try anymore. I just, <gasps> This happened today. And then when I come in the room and give you this lesson, and it was after that. I had to guess it, right? It was someone literally sent me a message. Touching topics on this. And I literally told them, don't talk to me. I don't want to hear it. I don't want you to preach to me. I don't want you to pray for me. I don't want you to help me. And then you came in my classroom. I'm just like, oh, 
God, don't ever leave me alone. <laughs> he never leaves me alone. I'm like, okay. So when you ask me what God called me to ministry, I'm like, oh, okay. I gotta stop running. But I guess my question is, how do you um how how do I believe in what God called me to be? Because people can say well, how they do me, but I think my biggest my biggest critic is myself. Okay, one thing you gotta do is you gotta stop criticizing yourself. You gotta stop saying you gotta stop laying a foundation for uh, emotional word pictures to develop in your soul. So emotional word pictures, what you're saying to yourself negatively, the enemy is reaching out to show you a picture of who you're not. So you gotta stop saying that. You gotta start saying who God says you are. Okay? And you and I can just I can just say it for you. There's nothing wrong with you. You're five years to that age. You're on the brink of doing something great. And I came over and actually the Lord did God actually did God call you to ministry. I got that home and got the word. I mean that's what the Holy Spirit brought into my spirit. So you said, I just want to say that you call the ministry to the Lord. So I said, pray about it. And see God talking about you next. You know, and then I, and I gave you some avenues to go. You know, Bible Institute, School of Ministry, School of Theology, Village Counseling, Life Coach. Things that you can get into change and help develop the inner character. Like we talked about, if the inner character isn't built on a godly foundation, then you will have, when somebody say something to you that you know is not for you, and that part of you that's wounded has to be healed. It's only going to be healed through the Lord of Christ. Mm-hmm. And you face stay a straight course. Can I share this in? Let's go back to, let's go back to uh, part B, which says the real you. Yeah. The real you. Right at the top, right at the top. Top of that page. It says the real you. It says, how are you known by God? See, these, this is the part that we have to get. Lay it for the visible one. Yeah. Let's set aside the visible one. Let's look at the real one. What is your basic nature? Your character. Who are you? And then your value system. And those things, when we get those down on the inside, then everything else will become easier. Because then... We're not basing it off of the visible, what people see, because that's not who you are. And a, and a lot, a lot of sisters, you, you already know, they just, they, they just have to be strong. All of these things, you already know this, they have to be When you song, the praise, it brings in a, it, that's the Holy Spirit again, and everybody's going to raise their hand. You know, stand up, it's okay. You know, that's your ministry. That's what it You didn't pick that up on the city the Holy Spirit brought that into you because he called you for that purpose. So that other thing that's hurting you on the inside, we're going to get into that on here on Sunday. But that thing that, that the enemy wants to tug at to make you think that you're not who you, you've been doing when you're around us. You know what I mean? So we're going to get that later on Sunday. But uh, Pastor Rob is right. You're, you're, you're who God, uh, how God knows who you are, who God said you are, your basic nature, your character, and your value system. Those things are down inside of you because you were taking Christ. You mm-hmm. just have to strengthen on a consistent basis. We have to do that too. We have to stick with the word because 
Still doing. Our own nature was critical. Our own nature was critical. I think so if any will try to bring an issue and strong hard stuff in your life, somebody leaves. Those these these things here, loss of job, uh, uh, parents and uh, empty nest, or uh, somebody dying, uh, loss of friendship, even loss of finance. Those things come in, they'll choke the word if there's no root in the word. We want to force today, they just they will come in and choke the word. Usually through five things. Uh, 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 Mark 4, the cares of this world, the secret of the understanding, and my uh, uh, opportunity. But there's these five things that it means to, to come in and choke the word. And the more that you allow the thing to come in and choke the word, then you have to regurgitate the more words, the more words, over and over and over. I'm, I'm going to say this thing. This is something my wife said to me when we first got together and we were in our relationship in the beginning. He said, I love you, but I love God more. Because God will never fail. And in my immaturity, I didn't recognize that. I wanted her to love me. Yeah. I was jealous. Yeah, I was jealous in my immaturity because, as I said before, in my previous marriage, I left the church for my wife based off of my. My misunderstanding of the world where he said you leave your mother and your father and you join your wife and you become one. But he's first. He's first because he's the first love. You know, just like that word just said, divorce, uh, death, that can happen in your marriage. Yeah. So what happens then? You know, that's why we have to have that first love. That first love with God because He will never fail us, but man will. Now, see, it says in Mark 4, it says, When afflictions and persecution arise for the word's sake, this is Mark 4, 17. When afflictions and persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they become offended. So the enemy will say, He wants to bring affliction, persecution, uh, uh, receive the riches, care of uh, this world, and the lust of other things. Those are five things He uses all in Mark 4. That uh, he was five things that cause you to be offended, choke the word out of you, so he can get you in a, in a mindset where he, where he can uh, get you emotional word picture. Maybe you need to say to yourself negative, healing, bring that back up in your, in your feelings to show you you're nothing. You're, you can't do nothing. Nobody likes you. You're, you're, you're not good enough. You're too dark. You're too whatever. Whatever you say to yourself, he would, uh, he would affect you. Emotions, so you can be emotionally involved into the negativity to destroy the foundation of God. That's why I believe that the word, you gotta have more words, more words, boundaries, any stuff, you know. And a lot of people, you know, we all we do it all the time. You gotta let your mouth grow, somebody on the highway. You know, I got I got read one of these books. I, I got a book on wisdom keys, wisdom keys on, on scripture, stuff like that, just to keep myself. You know, and, and, and let's read that scripture on here. It says, Do I have any power to help myself now that success has been driven from me? That's driven from so, and, and sometimes, sometimes it's because we get comfortable in what we have. 
we get comfortable with what we have and, and what God has shown Job and, and what Job realized that I didn't need all those things. Those things didn't make me. My relationship, my marriage, my success, all that stuff didn't make me. My relationship with God is what sustains me. But you know, he, he had to die with that first. Yes, yes, he, he went through hell before he got to the state. You know, before he realized that I didn't need that. And then when he, then the story, the moral, the moral story is that when he got himself together and stopped blaming everybody, stopped blaming himself, then he started uh, praising God. Everything he lost, God gave back to him double. Double. And this is this is always 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 my question about people, my counsel. How did he go get through the moral pain of losing his family and getting his double? You know, you know, because he got he lost everything. He lost his brother, he lost his family, all of them. They even told his wife, he just cursed out and died. <laughs> but um he got through. Well, it's coming close to that time, Pastor Bruce, and I know this has been an awesome session, and we would love to have Miss Tanika come back next, <laughs> next week if she'd be willing. I know she have a long day, just as we all do, but we would love to have her come back and share even what she experienced through this week as she go about her week, how some of this identity, what we spoke about, how hearing some of this and speaking on some of this, how they have an effect on your week, you know, just to be able to share some more impact. Because this is the key. We can we can have this word but and have some understanding, but how we apply it to our lives is what's important. And this is what we want you guys to do. We want you, we give you the word and we pray you get the understanding, but the application of it is what God wants for our lives. And that's what we want for you. So we don't want to just give you something just to hear and have a little understanding. We want it to be applicable in your lives just like it is in our lives. And we're glad to have Miss Janika here. And we praying that God is just continuing to just build her up and strengthen her up to be all that God is calling her to be because I know God has some awesome things in store for her, just like he has some awesome things in store for all of his children. It's not just for one person, it's for all of his children. He has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. And it's different for everybody, but it's for our good. Amen? So we thank Pastor Bruce, we thank Mr. Jamaica, I'm Pastor Robert Ingram, and as we tell you all the time here, that ministry costs, but the world is free. So if God placed on your heart to sow a seed, please sow a seed. The, the uh, information is going to come up on the screen. You can sow a seed. Be a part of what we're doing here at Harvest. And as we say, the work is plentiful, but the labor is a few. So if God placed on your heart to come be a part of what we're doing, we're here on Sundays, we're here on Wednesdays, and God willing, we're going to be here every day of the week because that's what we're trying to do, but we need some help. So if God called on you to be a part of what we're doing here, come be a part of what we're doing here at Harvard. Sundays at 10.30 and 6 o'clock during the summertime until 4, we'll be doing this here on um, Bible study, roundtable discussion. God bless you. We love you. And on behalf of Dr. Williams and First Lady and Faith Harvest family, we love you. Have a blessed night.
What's going on? No. To stay at home. <laughs> Got plans for what? Uh, no, no, no. I was talking about. I was talking about the car. I was talking about the uh, truck. That's what I'm talking about. Oh no, no, no plans for the truck. Uh, man. I, <laughs> <laughs> I said you got it fixed. You yeah. got my plans? No, man, I ain't got no plans for it. <laughs> uh, nah, I was just actually getting it. Yeah, yeah, I got it fixed. It was a um. Power steering pump and the ignition switch. You see the camera? See the picture? Um, it looked better when I was riding here. What'd you do? It's in the camera. Ain't nothing with the lights. It was the camera. Joe came. We had to take it off the auto. It is brighter. Video. Did you have that for Sunday? Yeah. Look at Sunday. I was like, oh my goodness. Oh, I didn't already exhale. See, it was dark on Sunday. It wasn't that dark. I can see the difference, though. I can definitely see a difference. But from up there to down here, it looks different. Let me see. I thought you was going to be away this weekend. Who? You. This past weekend. No, I didn't. My wife was like, nah, we need to go there. You going to Portugal in October. And I'm sober. And then you going away getting November for our anniversary. Gotcha. She's like, listen, ain't no need to be spending no money. You see? Look. Look how that was it right there. So. And I'm trying to look at the Sunday before. Oh, the Sunday. Oh, um, and that was Pastor Stedman. I mean, yeah, I can see a difference. I still think we'll, we need lights, though. So, I mean, if that changes, I, I probably got to see it in person, like on Sunday, because right now it's, the sun is down in here. Yeah, Sunday it'd be bright as day.
just from K to fifth grade every season they would do it. Really? In here? In here. Oh, wow. In here. That's K to fifth grade. Wow. And then half of it from sixth to high school. Keeping the cameras up on the stand? Yeah, I've been keeping them up. Huh? Uh, I had them up. Well, we could take them down. I was going to say, the cameras. I'm, I'm. Yeah, we should take them down. I should take them down. How else did you use it here? We didn't use them. Oh, the school's not? No. Oh. I just used them for. Chapel. Friday, I think I used them. Oh, the open house? The open house. Got a spot inside the closet. In here? Yeah. We can keep we can keep the cameras in there plugged up if you want to keep them inside there. Uh, what charging the whole week? You but think yeah. that's bad for the battery? Yeah, I guess yeah. Yeah, you're right. My brother was just telling me the same thing. He's like, yo man, this is charged. <laughs> yeah. the battery. Battery lifeline. This Mark called me. I'm like, oh, that's right. Pastor Rob's not there. I'm like, oh, man. We was getting ready to go into church, too. Oh, that church don't have 10. I told Elda I was going to be here. I guess she ain't tell Mark. You got you leaving the battery pack out? I mean the um the plug. Plug. Yeah. I'll just put it right there. Then. I found one watch. Oh yeah. Was it in that box? No, it, it was up here behind here. Now, I didn't even notice it that day, but it was right back here. But I ain't see the other one. So I'm not too sure if that's the one we was using. I think that's the one we were using. So I think I remember in. putting so, that up. So there. I got that in there. That's charged in and that's plugged in. So the other one must be in this box. I ain't even looking in the box. So if it's, if it's sitting there, that's good. Yep, so that's good. So we know. So I got that stuff over here plugged up. Closet. Yep, in the closet. It's on the shelf. It's on the shelf by itself. So we probably could even put those in there. But like you said, we don't need them plugged up. Yeah. I guess we was leaving that stuff plugged up too all this, all week. Was we using the camera? Using the camera too all week? Yeah. He was leaving that plug in too. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take that. 